All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, 1 Corinthians 12, Lesson 28. You know, this week is not a week of drinking milk. I mean, this week is truly starting to eat solid food. And that's really, if you think about it, this is what Paul is after constantly. Now, we're not talking about meat that's sacrificed by idols. You know, we're not going there today. But in 1 Corinthians 10, we talked about, you know, just two days ago, the Israelites and how they, they got to experience the presence of God and yet they didn't care. How do we know? Because only two of above a certain age got to get into the promised land. And so they took for granted what God had given them. And if you're not careful, Paul says, Corinthians is going to happen to you too. You're going to miss out what God has in store for you. So that's why he transitions into 1 Corinthians 11. He says, look, imitate me, please, as Christ is in me. And in this process, with Christ being the focus, Christ being the head yesterday, we talked about as Christ is the head, men is the head uh, over women. And then we talk about this, how then God the Father is the head over, you know, Christ the Son. And so we're talking about order within the church. That's really the structure, order within the body of Christ. And so when we get into 1 Corinthians 12, I mean, that's really where we're going as well as as individuals. I I like what Warren Wearsby, you haven't referenced him a whole lot this week. Uh, and I like what I like what Wearsby, how he parallels this. As we mature in understanding our bodies, we begin to get a better understanding uh, of the, the whole picture. You know, does that make sense? And so like as you're growing, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. These are silly illustrations. But like if I got stronger in my legs, maybe I wouldn't be as tired in doing certain things. So like you're beginning to understand how to utilize your whole body. And, th- and that's really what Paul is going to go after. He says, I want us to focus not just on the individualism parts, the individualistic parts, but I want you to understand how does it all fit together as the body. And so, you know, in Scripture, the church, uh, the body of Christ is also known as a couple other things, a family. Okay, they're known as an army. Interesting enough, they're known as a temple and even as the bride. And so you have these different illustrations throughout Paul's writings, throughout Paul's epistles of describing the body of Christ. It's no longer just an individualism, uh, an individualistic perspective, which I think is, is a once you start understanding, it's not just about you. You start understanding it's about the body, then growth can occur. And so what I want to do is, and I love this image, there's, there's three letters that Paul writes, okay? Specifically, he's written more than three. And I want to just do a quick little picture here. In 1 Corinthians, okay? And in Romans, okay? And we have not covered Ephesians yet. And so you have three letters, 1 Corinthians, uh, Romans, and Ephesians. And what you're going to see is similar language, okay? And you're going to see it broken up into three things, is you're going to see unity, diversity, and uh, maturity. Now, in 1 Corinthians, you're going to see in chapter 12, okay, today, uh, 1 through 13, you're going to hear about today unity within the body, okay? Now, at the same time, you're going to hear in diversity that's going to take place in verses 14 through 31. Now, even though there's a unified group, there's still diversity within the unified group. I think whenever people hear unity, they think, oh, now I have to conform. No longer can I just be myself. No, there's still diversity in the unity. And then here's the end game is that will we see maturity in the process, which we won't cover that until tomorrow, which is going to come from 13, chapter 13, 1 through 13. Always see the same progression, unity, diversity and maturity. And then in Ephesians, same thing. 
And I think you have to have this understanding of today's teaching when we get into the gifts. We're talking about the gifts, the different parts and how they all fit together. You have to understand something. We start off as one body. We're different parts. But the end goal is that we're going to be mature in this process and grow this out and reflect Christ. If you always just stayed, you know, we're unified or we're just diversified. That's not it. The goal is to reflect Christ and to pursue the maturity, uh, the glorification. Let me say this. Sorry. The sanctification process. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, Romans and Ephesians, you're going to see what's called basically a laundry list of different gifts. We're going to get into that, but I want you to have this bigger picture of where we're going today. Unity, diversity, and then tomorrow we'll get into the maturity as spelled out by Warren Wearsby. So, all right, if we would, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says this, Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware. So, okay, right away... <laughs> this is kind of a cool picture. Uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, 45, okay, our phrase for 1 Corinthians is the last Adam, okay? Not the first Adam, that was Adam and Eve, he fell. Now the last Adam comes in and yes, praise the Lord, gives us life and he gives us a life-giving spirit. Jesus became a life-giving spirit. So this spirit, okay, now to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, okay, this is, the Holy Spirit is going to give us, this is really important, okay, uh, something, Okay, we'll get into what the something is. But what we're going to be talking about comes from the Spirit of God, nowhere else. And so I don't want you to be unaware of this fact. The Spirit gave birth to the body of Pentecost, okay? And yet at the same time, even though the Corinthian believers knew the Holy Spirit, they're, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. So he's addressing something that they are grieving the Holy Spirit by living in their carnal way that in 1 Corinthians 10 he addressed. Your idolatry, your immorality, you're not being patient, you're constantly being tempted. And so for some reason you're giving into the flesh and you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Guys, I want to talk to you about the Spirit of God that's in you. You have the Spirit of God. Paul says, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off, here it is, by idols that could not speak. In other words, you're acting like you're acting like these Gentile barbarian unlearned individuals and you're letting the demonic forces from idol worship take over. <laughs> I love what Nelson's commentary says. He's like, you're worshiping these dumb idols. They actually wrote dumb idols in the Greek. It's an expression that would be recognized by the Corinthians because of what they were worshiping. He says in verse three, OK, look, therefore, I'm informing you. That no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, look, if you're saying that Jesus is Lord, clearly the Holy Spirit's in you. But if you're saying Jesus is cursed, clearly the Spirit of God is not in you. And I'm telling you guys, look, this is coming from the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And now I want you to understand in verse 4, 5, and 6, I want you to begin to understand the work of, this is kind of cool, and I, I never saw this before. The Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus, and the work of the Father. He's look, there's different gifts, but the same Spirit. So the Spirit, okay, this is a cool picture, distributes gifts to the believers. Okay, we'll talk about what the gifts are, so don't worry. The gifts, okay, but the Spirit of God distributes these gifts. Now in verse 5, there's different ministries, but the same Lord. This Lord, the Son of God, assigns actual believers, particular gifts that will be manifested in the body. The Holy Spirit manifests and delivers these. Jesus Christ himself delivers these things. And then look in verse 6. There are different activities that were different in verse 4, 5, and 6, the same word. So there's different uh, gifts, ministries, and activities. But God the Father, it says, but the same God activates okay, each gift in each person. The Father is the one that provides 
the energy to the believer in exercising the gift. So you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus and you have God. Yes, actually giving, delivering and distributing and providing the gifts that we that we need. Why? Why? Why does why does God do this? Why does he give us these things? Well, it says in verse seven, a demonstration of the spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. So here's what I love about this. We're going to get into Mindy's nine hands here. The Holy Spirit okay, is breathing life into the nine different. There's going to, we're going to talk about nine different gifts. Okay, each person. And the whole point of this is it's going to be beneficial for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to give each person a gift, many gifts, whatever the context is. But many of us don't even know I'm serious that there's gifts. I want to begin to teach through what these nine gifts are, because I am utterly convinced that many of us want to experience the gifts. We just don't know where to start. And many of us have never been taught on the gifts. Sean, growing up. Did you hear about the gifts that ever? No gifts. Rich? Nope. Tom? No. Four different backgrounds completely. You would think some of us somewhere would have heard. I've never heard of this stuff. The Holy Spirit scares people. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to scare us. Uh, In Romans, uh, it's clear in Romans 8, the Spirit of God, those that are led by the Spirit of God are called sons of God. Like, He wants to lead us. He wants to direct us. He wants to teach us. He wants to comfort us. This is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to give us gifts. But these gifts are for the body of Christ. And so what are these gifts? Well, it says in verse 8, to the one, and we'll just say, just for the beginning, we'll just say the first one is this little hand. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't even make sense. No, let's do the top one because it looks a little older, doesn't it? To one is given a message of wisdom. Through the Spirit. So, God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to give us wisdom. Now, I, got, I have a little, a little chart here. Uh, I have no problem saying, like, I need it. <laughs> There's a lot here. Now, this chart, it literally, wisdom, it literally means to apply truth practically. So, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me wisdom. And one of those gifts is wisdom, and it's to apply truth practically. I, I, I think, Rich, you're very... I, Rich, do you think you have the gift of wisdom? I do. I think you do. I'm pretty practical. You are very practical. I want to just read this. The gift of wisdom is the divine enablement to apply spiritual truth, okay, effectively to meet a need in a specific situation. So it's taking the word of God, practically applying it, but that wisdom, how to apply it only comes from him. Like it's not from man. It's truly from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to do this on every single one because we don't have time. But I want to just kind of walk through uh, just some characteristics of a person that has wisdom. So we'll use Rich as an example here. Now, look, I don't think anybody in the American church, I don't think anybody in the church in the world would disagree that wisdom uh, is a gift from the Holy Spirit and that nobody thinks that it's done. Like, we're okay with this gift. You know, James says, ask for wisdom. Solomon, he was given wisdom from the Lord. And so, like, this isn't a weird one. Like, We just need it. So one of the characteristics is you focus on the unseen consequences in determining the next steps to take. So the Holy Spirit gives these things things to you. You receive an understanding of what is necessary to meet the needs of the body. 
I do think it's interesting, Rich. Uh, we're not going to get into the craftsmanship gifts specifically today, but I do think there's something in craftsmanship and wisdom. I, I've always thought that. Uh, I, my, I would say my dad, Larry, has the gift of wisdom. I think, Rich, I think you guys think actually very similar, and you're both very handy. I can't prove that. I just I think some some gifts just kind of go together. Um, another characteristic of a gift of wisdom, okay, is it provides divinely given solutions in the midst of conflict and confusion. So amidst of the chaos and the swirl, Spirit of God gives Rich a gift of wisdom and says, guys, this is what we need to do in this moment. It's like you're calm, you're relaxed, let's do something. You hear the Holy Spirit provide direction for God's best in a given situation. And then finally, I want to say it one more time, the gift of wisdom that you apply spiritual truth in specific and practical ways. So if you're in a tough spot and you're like, Holy Spirit, I do not know what to do. I need wisdom. Like ask the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you. He wants to. The scripture says he wants to give his kids gifts. Ask. One of the traits of uh, the gift of wisdom, a person, okay, is sensible, insightful, practical, wise, fair, experienced, and common sense. So if you want to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 8, remember these things are beneficial to one he's given a, mes- a message of wisdom through the Spirit. Now, there's another gift. So if you want to just say, here's wisdom, now you go to the right hand onto the next one here. It says, uh, to another, a message of knowledge. Now, this one here is where people get nervous. Okay, I want to define knowledge. I want to define what this gift looks like because the Holy Spirit wants to give us the message of knowledge. A word of knowledge is also another language of saying it. Message of knowledge, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, message of wisdom. It literally means, you ready for this? To know. (laughs) Okay, now this is where it gets kind of fun. Just hang in here. It's deep. It is deep. The gift of knowledge is is the uh, divining enablement to bring the body of Christ through a revelation or biblical insight. Okay, now I just said revelation. Somebody's like, oh, I'm out. Look, I'm not talking about this word does not equate scripture. We're not talking about coming up with new scripture, new truth. We're not talking about that. Listen to this. Okay, you receive truth. Okay, a person. Okay, let's just say we're going out in the streets. We're interacting with people. Okay, in that moment, you receive truth comes from the spirit, which enables them to better serve the body of Christ. You search the scriptures for insight, understanding that serves the church. Now, here's an interesting one. You might receive an unusual insight or understanding that serves the church. So like, let me keep going here. Organize information for teaching and practical use. And you might gain knowledge which was not attained by natural observations or means. Okay, a word of knowledge. Okay, you're very, you have a, you're you're inquisitive. You're responsive, you're observant, you're uh, uh, insightful, you're reflective, you're studious, and you're truthful. A word of knowledge could look like something like this. Like I was in a, a prison visiting some inmates where we were actually praying and sharing the gospel. When we're all done, Kyle Felke, a friend of mine, a friend of all of ours, uh, you know, a pastor in northern Indiana, all of a sudden sensed he had a word of knowledge. So in that moment, he asked me, he said, hey, can I release this word of knowledge? Absolutely, because I know who he is. I know his track record. I know he's in the word. And so in the result, he just says, look, I sense. And he began to describe somebody's father. And he began to describe a situation about a family. Now, when Kyle released this word of knowledge, he didn't know who it was for. He just said, I have a word of knowledge for somebody in this room. Well, right away, somebody said, hey, that's, that's my life. How did you know that about me? Well, the only way he could get that insight 
was not by reading the prisoners' profiles. Okay, He didn't go up and down the cells and start talking to people. In that moment, the Holy Spirit gave a gift to Felky, Kyle Felky, and Kyle described an inmate. And guess what happened? That kid came to know the Lord. Okay, that guy came to know the Lord because God gave Kyle Felky a word of knowledge and it spoke directly to that inmate. And you know what that does? That's what's beneficial. It's beneficial because God gets the glory. Christ gets the glory. That guy is drawn to Christ when we start using all of the gifts, all of the body parts. And that's what we're after here. So when we start saying, well, I want wisdom, but I won't, I don't want knowledge. What you're saying is, is that God can't speak like that. God can't speak through a person like that. And so you might actually be missing out how God wants to speak to that person. And so what I love about these gifts, you guys, is that all of them together, we'll get into 1 Corinthians 13 tomorrow, they're all surrounded by love. So these gifts must be expressed in love in everything that we do. I want to have a gift of wisdom so that I can show the love of Christ. I want to have the gift of knowledge so that I can show the love of Christ. And yet for me, I didn't, no fault to my parents or my family, I didn't grow up with any of this. I didn't hear any of this. I want my kids all the time to understand that gifts can apply today. And they can have the gifts just like I can. That's what I love about this little hand here. Seasoned, young or old, no matter what ethnicity, God wants to pour out through the Holy Spirit His gifts. And guys, this is when it gets fun. This is when it's an adventure walking with the Lord because you're like, Holy Spirit, how can I speak to this person right now? Because you know it can't come from you. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. And so you have this gift of wisdom. And so I just want to say, if you're longing for these, you guys, we'll get into this in a couple days, but start asking the Lord, give me a desire for these gifts. You might have to go back and say, Lord, forgive me because I don't, I don't even, I didn't even know this is true. Or some of you have been taught, like, I don't even think these apply. You guys, nowhere in the scriptures, in this text, does this say this doesn't work. Nowhere does this say this was done in the first century. I want to go to a third gift if we can. And it just says this. Um, in verse 9, it says, to another faith by the same spirit. So the same Holy Spirit gives a different gift. And that gift is faith. I'm going to kind of read a little bit of a description here. For me, this is kind of a fun one. I feel like this is one of the gifts that the Lord specifically has given me. And faith literally means to have a trust, to have confidence and to believe. Okay, the gift of faith is a divine enablement to act on God's promises. I love this with confidence and unwavering belief in God's ability to fulfill his purposes. In other words, you actually believe that what you're hearing God's going to do. You're going to walk by faith. Abraham. He walked by faith. He, he said, God told him to go into a different land. God told him to sacrifice his son. By faith, he constantly was trusting the Lord. Now, belief, faith is believing the promises of God and, and you inspire others to do the same. So it should become contagious if you have this gift of faith and you act in complete obedience and confidence of God's ability to overcome obstacles. Any mountain, if you have the gift of faith, you believe that God's either going to blow that mountain away or you're just going to jump right over the wall. Other characteristics of faith is that you demonstrate an attitude of trust in God's will and his promises. You advance the cause of Christ because they go forward when others will not. Faith is always the focus. You're always believing that God can do this. And then you ask God for what is needed and you trust him in, in for provision as you go. Uh, characteristics and traits of uh, the gift of faith. You're prayerful. You're optimistic. You're trusting. You're assured. You're positive. You're inspiring. And you're hopeful. Now, here's a question for you. Wisdom, knowledge, and faith. There, there's no levels here, you guys. 
They're not saying that knowledge, which is super cool. It's like reading, opening up somebody's mail, reading it. And you're like, how did you know all that? Like, that's an awesome gift. I would love to have that gift manifested a lot more in my life. But that knowledge gift is not elevated over the gift of faith. And wisdom is not elevated over all of those. Like, we need all of these gifts because it brings unity in the body of Christ. And I think what's happened is, and we'll keep going here, and when you get into the next one in verse 9, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. I think what happens is that now when we hear this, this other gift of healing, you're like, well, that's on a whole different playing field. But like when we see healings, legit healings take place. Um, like, is it fair to say, Sean, I don't know, I'm asking teachers here this one. Do you desire the gift of healing? I do, and I, I see, I've seen it, and it's awesome when it happens. It is awesome. And it's, but in a weird way, in my mind, I kind of elevate that one. The only reason I elevate it is because it's so tangible. You see somebody, you know, get out of a wheelchair. You're like, wow, that's pretty cool. And like, so you have this image, but I want to, I want to just kind of knock that mentality out and say, guys, like we need all of these gifts. All of these gifts point to Christ being in charge. He's the head of the body of Christ. And so this gift of healing. Look, I I love saying this and I'm going to keep saying this. I actually believe everybody believes in healing. How do I know? Because you sit around your kitchen table and you pray for your sick grandma. You pray for your uncle that's not feeling well. You pray for your little daughter to feel better when she has a tummy ache. I, I believe that. I believe all of us pray for healing. But what we don't do is we don't call it what we want it to call. We don't call it healing. We just say, God, I'm praying that you're going to do the work. Like, look, I want us to start believing it's a gift that he wants to give us that we can exercise for his glory. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus exercises healing. And what does it usually do? It draws people to him. Now, I'll tell you on the flip side, when people abuse the gifts of the healing, uh, then it turns people away. You have these fake stories, these stories have been on the news of people doing these healings and then they're fake. They're not legit. And so then therefore you think and you throw out literally all of the gifts because you look at the gift of healing and say, well, that's that's not right. Can I just put back into you as by faith, receive this gift of healing and say, I want that. I want people to experience the love of Christ. And so healing, the gift of healing literally means to restore health miraculously without the aid of means or human skills. You're literally asking the Lord to do a touch of God on this person. And those who have this gift, they're compassionate. So maybe if you want this gift, maybe you should care for people. I mean, that's kind of true. You should have this gift of compassion toward the sick and pray over them regularly. They have great faith and they trust that God can and will heal some and are not deterred when he chooses not to. In other words, you don't stop praying because you didn't see the fever go away. You continue to exercise these gifts. One more description here. They're motivated knowing that God's revealed power will draw people to faith in Christ. You guys, that's key. Every one of these gifts, that's our desire, that will draw people to Christ. Their ultimate concern with this gift is the spiritual well-being of those being healed and their relationship with Yeshua. They yearn for the day that there will be no more pain and suffering and sin will no longer wreak havoc on the people of God. Spiritual gift of healing is an intimate one as it reveals the heart and compassion of God. Uh, Wade, Aaron has the gift of healing in our uh, in our little crew here at Time Revive and Here's some characteristics that I would say describe Wade and people that have the gift. They're bold. They're compassionate. They're patient. They're obedient. They're humble. They're gentle. And they're confident that God's going to show up. 
And so these are the gifts. These are four of the gifts. You know, here you have what wisdom and knowledge and faith. And then here you have healing. And because of time, I just want to want to reference these others. Uh, One of the other ones is miracles. Scripture says the performing of miracles. (laughs) I still believe God is uh, the same as yesterday, today and forever, which means God still wants to use his people for miracles. According to this text, can I just tell you, it's either all of the gifts or it's none of the gifts. So you either believe wisdom is still applicable today, knowledge is still applicable today, faith is still applicable today, or you don't believe it at all because you cannot just say two or the three work, but the others don't. So here you have the performing of miracles. To another, another one of the gifts is prophecy. And I'm sorry, we don't have time to unpack each one of these. To another is uh, distinguishing of spirits, which is discernment. Uh, and then you have another one <laughs> of different kinds of languages, tongues. And then you have another one, which is the interpretation of tongues. And that's what it says. It just says uh, all of these gifts. Now watch in verse 11. But one in the same spirit is active in all. All of these. You have to hear that, you guys. One and the same Spirit. Remember, I'm after unity here. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these. So, the Holy Spirit is either moving in prophecy and discernment and tongues, or He's not moving in any of them. I want to remove the mentality that so many of us maybe have been taught that, well, this doesn't work today, but these work today. I don't know how you can play that game when you look at the text. And it says he's distributing to each one as he wills. It's actually not up for us to decide which ones we get. It's up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to the Holy Spirit to give us one of. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. In 1 Corinthians 12, it is. It's the nine that are listed. That's why many did an incredible job painting the hands that represent the nine different gifts that come only from the Holy Spirit. But I love this because it's a cool picture here. And look what it says in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. And so here you have this incredible picture of different parts, but it's one body. Verse 13, it says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all, and I love this, we are all made to drink of one spirit. So there's more here when you get into the text. It talks about the diversity. It, it just talks about the eye saying, hey, I don't need you. Or, you know, the, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And then in verse 22, you know, it talks about weaker bodies and weaker parts, I should say, or the ear saying, hey, I don't need you. Or the point is, is we need all of these because <laughs> we are all made, and I love this, to drink of one spirit. We actually need these different gifts. Because these gifts, as we just saw in Scripture, and it's pretty clear, it points to Christ. Look, I, I know you have a lot of questions probably about, you know, you're like, hey, let's talk about tongues. Hey, let's talk about interpretation of tongues. Let's talk about prophecy and discernment. I just want to release this very simply. I believe all are applicable today. 
I don't think that some aren't and some are. I think all of them are applicable. Why? Because we are made to drink of one spirit and the spirit of God gives us these gifts. Okay, guys, uh, have a great day. I feel like we didn't get to a whole lot today. (laughs) But I wanted to model for you and say, hey, guys, please pray that you have an open mind, that the Spirit of God can move even in your life today. So, Father, release the gifts today in their lives. Give us a desire and a hunger for these gifts to participate in drinking up of the Spirit of God so that, Lord, that you would literally downpour into us ways that we can manifest the gifts to draw people to you. In your name we pray. Amen.